Hey everyone, it's Backyard Conversations. We are back with the summer edition. I know you've missed us. We've been uh, quite busy as always, but we're gonna try and make sure this backyard is as open as possible for you guys in the future. So you can come around with your, what, lemonade, your pina coladas and hang out with us. But this is a special WWDC edition because Apple kind of like really took it to maybe a different level this year. They, um, on June 5th, which is Monday, they invited some people out to Apple Park and they live streamed it. It's their big, big, you know, basically keynote event that happened on Monday. And that one I'm going to go into some kind of deep dive and talk about it. So let's get right into the show. Yep, yep. So Dapo, um, I think we talked about this just before recording about how we want to, uh, the format for this episode is to go in, in the sequence the way it was announced on, on the day. And yeah. I know the first thing, they, they came out guns blazing with the Mac. I want to know what your impressions are. Is there anything that stuck out uh, that stuck out to you, I should say? Anything that you really impressed you about the Mac uh, announcements? Uh, so, you know, the um, M2... Ultra finally getting, or let me say the Mac Pro finally getting the Apple Silicon treatment. Um, so now they have like a full extend, expendable, uh, I said expendable, extended, extensible uh, Mac Pro, you know, with uh, M2, the super high-end processor. Um, I'm curious to see people compare it with um, custom built PCs from with Intel chips and AMD chips. Um, I, I'm curious to see how 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 the performance will be, especially on the most spec'd out version. But I mean, finally, Apple has moved everything to to M2. M2. Um, and then the other thing that I noticed was uh, the iMac is still on M1, like base level M1. So. Um, I think I, I can't remember who I was telling, but I was saying that it seems like Apple really wants to reposition the iMac as a home computer. Um, however, there are a lot of pros, creative professionals who want to have the iMac as their um, primary computer for work. And it is a compelling um, computer to have for work because uh, you have like this slim profile, so you can move it when you need to. Um, you, you can fit on a desk, and you have like this high high end monitor attached to the computer. So it's, it's like it's a very good device for work. But the original thing, the original position of the iMac, you know, back in '98 was um, as a home computer. So I think them keeping or stifling the iMac from getting like higher end processors. Um, is a way of them like trying. I don't want. I don't know whether it's a force, but people are still going to buy what they're going to buy, and it's 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 a nice computer to have. So it seems like now they're saying, oh, if you're a crazy professional, go and buy the Mac Studio or go and buy the Mac Mini. The problem with those is that a they're more expensive. Um, well, the 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 depth of the loan is not more expensive, but if you buy it paired with Apple's cheapest monitor, which is $1,500, you're already spending about two grand, over two grand on, on the computer. So, um, seems Apple is saying, if you're a creative professional, 
either buy a MacBook Pro, which starts at 2000 or buy a Mac Mini or Mac Studio, which also starts at that price, plus it's an Apple Studio display. Anyway, um, and I like the iMac, so I want I want the iMac to get that update, whether the acquisition for home or for, you know, I mean, an iPad has an M2 processor in it now, so why why are they starting the iMac? Anyway, that's enough enough rant about about the iMac not getting anything. Um, I want to chime in on that on the iMac thing. I agree entirely because it felt like it felt like one of the like a middle child, right? They didn't talk about it much. It was just like, hey, here's the MacBook Air. You know, here's what was happening with the Mac Pro. But here's this iMac, which I know a lot of professionals use as their daily driver, even though it's still on the M1 because of how just how good the M1 really is. And I feel like September might be a time for them to announce a refresh. I I am optimistic that in September they're gonna come through and be like, hey, here's a new iMac, like newer, faster, better processors. But if you notice the color scheme on those iMacs, they're very akin to like the iPad Air. And the iPad mm. Air is kind of like on its way to the iPad Pro, but not, your, not just Pro enough. Because I've seen iPad Air refreshes that come out and they're like twice more uh, powerful than the iPad Pro of the previous generation. But mm. the iPad Air comes out with like this fun pop colors and it's like, um, you know, is that what they're doing with the iMac where it's like it takes forever for it to get a refresh but it comes with these funky colors and it goes in line with what you said with like it's being positioned as a home computer funky colors yellow green whatever um it's um it's something to look out for in september i do think they will announce in september i don't think any macbook pro uh they did announce a macbook pro at dub dub right no, they didn't. Um, they didn't announce any MacBooks or any of these MacBooks. MacBooks are like pretty solid right now. Yeah, the current yeah. generation with the M2. In fact, I've seen a couple of reviewers say that after they finished reviewing the M2, they just went back to using their M1 Pros because yeah. the M1 Pros were just that good. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe the the MacBook Pros would do probably an 18-month cycle as opposed to an annual cycle. Um, yeah. well, speaking of MacBook, they, they did announce a 15-inch MacBook Air. Uh, what do you think about that? I thought it was very interesting because the MacBook Air is it's very similar to what we're talking about with the iMac. It's this computer that's like positioned for like everyday use, slim profile. You know, the original debut was the Manila folder, like unveiling where it came out. It was so thin and light. And you look at this computer that's like thin, fanless, but super powerful. And even if you're just a hobbyist editing photos and the occasional video editing, this thing is more than juiced up for you to do that with ridiculous battery life. And now on 15 inches, like 18 hours of battery life, or something that's like a 15 inch monster. I feel like I feel like for the average air user it's overkill. But mm. I I feel like because it's now 15 inches, it's like there's a new market they're trying to get into, like people who want the thin form factor. Because if you think about it, like a lot of 15 inch um computer users are either on the average enthusiasts or gamers. Like there's a lot of people like going for something that big or maybe designers or somebody who creates on their computer. Um, for content consumption, I don't really know a lot of people who always want the biggest and the baddest, and 15 inches does sound like in that category. So 
um, I don't really know what the target demographic is. I, I was talking to my wife about it, it's like 15 inch Mac. She's like, nope, she doesn't care for it. Like, you know, obviously she's, <laughs> you know, she's more of like a, the regular um, MacBook Air size, the 13 inch, I think it is. And so it's an interesting product, but I feel like for people who don't want to spend pro money and want a bigger screen and as good a battery life, like it's, it's, it doesn't get better than that. Like, I feel like a lot of Windows manufacturers will struggle to compete with this 15-inch computer at that price. Yeah. So my thoughts about the 15-inch is that um, Apple is actually playing the same game that Windows OEMs are playing with that particular device. Yeah. Um, one is that they've always had, you know, a solid entry at the $12.99 price point. And prior to the 16-inch launching, the only thing that was on that $12.99 price point was the 13-inch M2 Pro, right, which had the older design. And a lot of people were like, they didn't want to spend that much money for an older design. So they needed to put something in that price point. That's one. Secondly is, um, the 15 inch is actually the most common laptop size, right? Even for uh, on on the Windows side, on you know. So and Apple had treated Apple's laptop line was typically like on the smaller side. So even when unless you go pro, yeah, like you know. So even even for um, like if you look at the Windows side, right? A small Windows laptop. 14 inch was considered a small Windows laptop. Then baseline. You say 14? No, 14. 14 actually. Um, for for the longest time, it was Apple that actually popularized the 13 inch laptop. 14 was like the small laptop. 15 was your medium, and then 17 was your large. Um, so now 17. The problem with 17 is that I it's completely super heavy. About 17 inch laptop. Yeah, right. There, there was a time they were around, you know. Um, but they're huge, they're heavy. They're, so now you can fit like large resolution. You can fit, you know, a 2K display, even higher resolutions in a 16 inch. And Apple with all their like fancy slimming everything down thing, were able to pull it off in their 16 inch M Pros. So now uh, 15 inch, they want to now serve people who are used to having a 15 inch um, laptop or used to see a 15 inch laptop and have a Mac laptop that's 15 inch, but it's not pro because it being the most common means that it's like the every man. Now, when I looked at the specs, something interesting, which is that the display, despite it being bigger, has a lower pixel density than the um, 13 inch Air. The new 13-inch okay. Air and the 14-inch um, Pro, right? Okay. So they didn't increase the pixels; they just increased the size of the, the physical size of the display. Um, I mean, they cutting, did increase the pixels, but not not commercial. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, the thing is, I don't think the difference is that much that so the yeah because because this those displays are super high resolution like I, I feel like unless you're a pixel paper you probably wouldn't complain much right 
Yeah, yeah. Most most people won't complain. Most people won't complain. Then the third thing I have, like, I noticed about it was that the previous gen 13-inch pros, right? Yeah. Um, which is like the current, we have a 13-inch pro that is M2 now, but uses the old design, yeah. right? This 15-inch air actually weighs heavier than it. Now, of course, that weight is spread out over a much larger surface area, so it feels it will feel super light. But the mere fact that it is heavier just like knocks out the idea of you know the air being like the super the lightest laptop. So I'm thinking that M2 13-inch Pro is on its way out. Apple might knock it out of the of the lineup completely um, and just have everything be the new notch design and whatnot. Well, and then the last thing was that the second generation of the Air actually had two sizes. I think they were doing 11 and 13. And so the Air actually had 11 and two sizes for some time before, you know, they moved to, I think before they moved to like the unibody style. Um, but no, I think, yeah, before they moved to the unibody style. So... Now they've gone back to you know the air having two sizes. So now it's like there's just going to be two sizes of air, two sizes of pro, 13 and 15, 14 and 16, which is a much simpler, cleaner, neater lineup to have. Um, and then anyone who wants like something super cheap and basic can go for the M1 Air, which is still in the lineup. It should knock out a lot of people are already discouraging people from buying it, so might as well knock out the 13 inch M2 Pro. It's interesting you say that, yeah, because you're right. The right now there's currently three, three variants for the air, right? There's the 13 M1, the 13 M2, and then now the 15 M2, right? But I feel like uh, the 13 and 15 M2 with like the new notch design are gonna are here to stay. The old mm -hmm. design for the air and the old design for the 13 Pro are just gonna be phased out. I think by this year, I don't think they're gonna make any new any any more this year because by September when those announcements, I think Mac announcements are in September, I think. Um, the second I, I don't think event. we'll be getting any any Mac announcements anymore this year. We're already halfway to the I year. I'll be shocked if we don't. Because if you ah. notice, with the M chips, they've been going annual. Well, so, I guess that's because they are new, right? Yeah. Um, September is for iPhone and probably iPad. Um, this is already halfway through the year. The only thing I would expect them to do, I wouldn't even expect, like you were calling the refresh, the only thing I would expect them to do if they were going to do anything about Mac would be to upgrade the iMac. And it would just be a simple, oh, we took out the M1 and put in an M2, finish. Yeah. I don't think it would be anything fancy. Um, I think time, they'll keep, yeah? Right, I was going to say, maybe this time they'll make the power cable easier to yank out. Or mm. you know what? No, that was the Pro Display XDR, not the not the iMac. Remember when people yeah, tried to? Yeah. The, the iMac cable, I think, is Mac safe, right? So it's pretty easy. But yeah. but the the uh the Pro Display XDR, my goodness, there's literally a tool to actually yank out the power cable, and it's not like it breaks it. It's just like it's so hard to 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 pull out because uh, it comes pretty stuck with the cable. They, yeah, they made it so that you don't take out the cable. Um, yeah. But the cable is detachable, maybe like when you take it in for repairs or something like that. So. Yeah. Okay, that's a lot of Mac talk. I, I feel like um, I've been so entrenched 
in with I'm surrounded by people using 13 inch MacBooks that I think that is the reality but that uh you're really spot on with the 15 inches popular size because I'm just thinking back to every Windows laptop I've had I think I don't think I ever had a 13 inch um but now like I feel so um uh so much like an outlier when I have 15 uh pro Pro around people that have like 13 which is kind of like counterintuitive as opposed to like the Windows verse where the 15 is like the big deal, right? Um, so the thing is that even though the 15 is the most common, the resolution is actually pretty crappy. So someone with a 13 inch mark has a better, in fact, someone with the baseline 13 inch mark um, from five years ago yeah. has a better display resolution than you know, a baseline Windows 15 inch, um, you know, last couple of years at least. Yeah, probably yeah. Now. I think they only started moving them up to full HD um, recently, but for the longest time they were on 768, 820, you know. Yeah, interesting stuff. Okay, from, from, Mac, from um, Mac hardware, they moved straight to the operating systems. I think they started with iOS, then went iPad OS, then when Mac OS. Um, then they talked a bit and about TV OS. Watch OS. Yes, they did watch. watch they talked about TV OS, but very briefly. Um, yeah. Because there's not many updates there. So let's just lump OS, because there's a lot of talk, right? Into yep. into one, one big ball and talk about the key things that stood out the most uh, across the operating systems. Um, I think for for iOS, there's quite a few. Many things many things were announced. I think it was the heaviest. It had the most um, um, new features, and the one yeah. where you customize your avatar that people can see whenever you call them. Uh, I feel like that's opening up a new chapter for trolling, especially if you're like a troll and you want to put some kind of stupid photo on where <laughs> every time. Every time someone's you know you call someone, they they regret giving you uh, their number. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, the the whole stickers thing is kind of dope, where you can convert your photos, your live photos, into this kind of gifts that are animated in in line with messages. Um, yeah. Uh, WhatsApp for and they they changed the the UI and the UX for how you navigate with um, not just stickers but apps within iMessage. It looks different. I don't know if it's it's gonna take some getting used. It's one of those things where you're like, well, I don't know if I like it or hate it, and then you keep you start using it for like forever, and you forget what the old one was like. I think that's what's gonna be. Um, yeah. Uh, but it does look neat. It does look really neat. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, widgets finally getting closer and closer to Android level of customization, where you can literally tap on a widget and it works without launching the app. I think that is pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I expected more of, even though I don't have a uh, iPhone 14 Pro. Well, I thought they were going to talk about some new Dynamic Island stuff, you know, but they did not. So I guess they've just so, handed that to like devs, like just do you, boo boo. No, but apparently, I think in the dev sessions, yeah. they did um, talk about, because I follow some. Uh, some of those devs online? You know, Twitter some, or? Of those, some of those devs, yeah, on Twitter. And I, I see that some of them mentioned, you know, some, some a few updates, UX updates. To Dynamic Island, but I think maybe they weren't like big enough to um, make it part of the keynote, or maybe they didn't get to cut some things out of the keynote, and then the, um, Dynamic Island stuff got cut. 
Um, so yeah. And they am taking out the hey out of hey series. It's gonna um trigger so many random um phones, watches, and iPads. Probably even max the world over. Uh, I wanted to know what you think about two things: the new AirDrop slash contact sharing, where you bring devices close to each other and they share your contact, and also yeah. um the journaling app. Cause I don't know if you remember, I used to use the Day One app for journaling back in the day. And yeah. then they won, I think they rewrote the app from the ground up and then they made the other one obsolete and then they brought like a subscription app. So I, I didn't bother like getting the new app, right? Um, yeah. What do you think is going to happen to journaling apps with the new journal? And what do you think about the uh, the airdrop thing? Okay, so um, the airdrop one is actually very, like it looks very nice. It's typical of Apple that they'll take something ordinary and they'll put this very, very nice level of polish yeah. on it. And then it starts, it looks, you know, it feels much better. But it's something that actually existed for quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. Back in the early days of the App Store and Android and whatnot, there was an app called Bump. I think yeah. it got acquired by Google. That had the exact same feature where you have your, if I have Bump and you have Bump, and we bump, uh, devices together. Devices, yeah. Had, um, I think it was for devices that had NFC. Uh, yes. So, you know, I bump devices together and then we would exchange contacts. Then, um, I think, like, if, if, if I remember correctly and it was bought by Google, then of course it will follow, you know, Google's behavior of killing stuff. Now, oh. <laughs> over time, there, mm-hmm. there was like a wave of um things are getting popular like pop socket that had that feature or um cards that had that feature or phone cases that had that feature built in um so i guess uh, apple saw like that feature getting more and more popular i still used it with someone like someone made her business card into one of those cards that has, you know, contact information stored. Yeah. It taps it against my phone and then all her, all her details, you know, her name, profile, phone number, email, social networks, well, just, you know, on my phone. I, all I had to do was hit save. So um, those things have been getting more and more popular. You even see them get advertised on, on social media. So I guess yes. Apple figured, you know, might as, as well, well make it a feature. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so, now, just I mean, to add to that, I, I feel like nice. you're right. It looks really, really, really neat. They made it similar how they do all the work on the back end with the coding on like Swift or whatever it is they're programming with, maybe C or whatever, but very likely Swift. Um, and then they make it look effortless on the surface, right? Yeah, definitely. And you have that, no that, idea. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what <laughs> yeah. you're supposed to do when you're developing <laughs> software. That's what you you're know, supposed to do. And it's so nice. And another thing about AirDrop is how it leverages i think maybe one more secure layer of connectivity because i know it doesn't just work over bluetooth i think it's bluetooth and wi-fi and that's why um i think because a lot of people just hate bluetooth tech it it struggles to um evolve even though there's bluetooth i think are we on six now or five i think we're on bluetooth Uh 5.0 but no 5.2 i think 5.2 
but but Bluetooth has consistency issues and and not to say like AirDrop is is perfect. AirDrop like even between my own devices sometimes fails, right? But there's always ways around that. You always like maybe know how to troubleshoot or mitigate future issues. But yeah, uh, it looks gorgeous. I can't wait to try it on uh, on 17. I haven't put the beta just yet because it's just so much stress to be fighting bugs ever so often. Like um, so I I, I don't I don't mess with betas when it when yeah. it comes out. I mean, <laughs> thankfully you know. <laughs> Thankfully, the OS updates come out um, quickly enough that yeah. um, I, I don't get impatient. Yeah, I mean, for me, the the one device that is strictly beta and no rush uh, OS upgrade device is my MacBook Pro because it's like my, my workhorse. So even, even Mac OS, what was the one we had before Sonoma? Ventura. Was it Ventura? Yeah. Yeah, so, that's the current one. Even Ventura is not on there just yet, right? Like it's it's that serious for me. Like I'm I'm just like okay, I'm not in a rush to go on Ventura, so it's a no go area. Well, yeah, the second thing we're gonna talk about the the app, journaling app. So how many people's have, how many companies have just been taken out of business by this? Um, so I to use the journaling app called Memento, and they too did pretty much like what um day one did, where. They had like an, a classic version and then they kind of deprecated it over time and then brought out another version with like a simpler UI, but for me it was like less interesting. The thing is, all the other um, journaling apps are like manual entry, but this one seems to be like a combination of automatic entry. In fact, it seems like it's primarily automatic entry and yeah. then supplementarily, you know, um, a manual entry, which is a smart thing to do because, um, like there's a, there's laziness and some sort of lethargy to journaling consistently. Yeah. However, if the app does like some of it for you, um, then you might be inclined to just add, you know, like if by the time you open it, you've seen that it has populated a few things. Maybe you just want to add one thing. You don't, you don't look like, it doesn't feel like you're looking at an empty page. Yeah. You, know, you can just add like, oh, okay, I just want to add one sentence of something that happened today that the app didn't capture. You know, um, so, so that's a smart thing to do. However, the UI doesn't like, UI doesn't really communicate a journal. It just communicates like, I don't know, it looks like a default, I, Do you think I, it's, it's like, a, like a pin board, some kind of like inspiration board? Is that what it looks like? Because I feel like it's divided into some like segments. It uses obviously your GPS data, your photos, um, your fitness workouts. Like it's using literally every sensor like on your devices, your accelerometer, your gyroscope, everything to like say, this is where you were, this is what you were doing. You know, like now let's make a story out of this, right? Um, I, I feel like for a V1, this is probably what they're like looking at. Let's just push this out. Um, about time, well, I don't know if it's gonna, yeah, so like can, the functionality, yeah, because Apple apps barely have drastic overhauls, right? Think about it, Notes app, it keeps getting features, but it still looks like the Notes app since day one, right? Um, and so yeah. the thing is, like, the Notes app looks like a Notes app, right? This journal app doesn't look like a journal, it looks like, like some kind of game. I, I don't know, I don't know how else to like articulate articulate it but i mean anyone who's used um day one or memento yeah. those apps feel like journals right yeah and i mean um even though 
you know, we're not doing skeuomorphic anymore. I think this would be one case where a bit of skeuomorphism would make it feel more like a journal. Interesting. Uh, I mean, now they've gone to what is a neomorphism with um, one product that we're going to talk about later at the end, but uh, <laughs> um, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, I like what you said about how, you know, this might inspire people to like journal because it's already curating for you. That's kind of like what the large language language model like AI kind of like help with nowadays because it kind of like gives you like a head start, especially if you do not trust it to have the right information. You could be like, hey, chat GPT, give me some structure, like help me, you know, give me an idea. And so um, this is, I guess this is going to be a good segue into talking about one of the things that Apple did not talk about at DubDub. Um, before we get into macOS, let's talk about it. Like everybody and their uncles and aunties in the past half year slash three quarters of a year ago, I've been talking about AI. Not once did Apple use the word AI at this very, very lengthy keynote that the the short version, the summarized version on The Verge is about 26 minutes just to see you how, just to show you how dense this show was. They didn't use the word AI once. And uh, what did you think about that? I'm sure you, you noticed that as well. Oh, yeah, I did. Um, however, they, they, they use terms like machine learning, sure. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I guess it's, it's a case of semantics where, like, under the hood, they might be doing similar things or behaving is, having similar behaviors, yeah. but what, it's, what they choose to call it might be different um so even what we are calling ai like in in uh, chat gpt is llms large language models yeah and siri or let me say autocomplete is a form of llm um siri you know asking siri questions is also a form of llm so um them not saying ai i guess it's them saying it's them trying to say we're not hopping on the bandwagon. Exactly. Right. Um, we don't need to use those words to to inflate our share price. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone made a, a, a clip of Google I.O. and mm-hmm. the number of times that people on stage said the word AI. I, and, I know. Uh, I know. Oh my goodness. It was like AI, 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 AI. It was it's, just hilarious. It's, it's crazy. So I guess Apple didn't want to sound like that. I know. Oh, so different. Okay, now let's talk about macOS. I think one of the more interesting things that I wanted to touch on, besides obviously widget CA on Mac, I don't know. For some reason, Mr. Federighi talked about it. Like, he was so excited about those widgets. It's like, <laughs> um, my thing is gaming on Mac, right? I saw a video from, I think it's TechLink, one of the Linus channels on YouTube. And yeah. they talked about how Apple really understated this uh, pivot to gaming on Mac and the kind of tools they've created to help studios and developers port their games across to macOS. And if people are saying, you know, in the background behind whispers that uh, Apple seems to finally be taking gaming seriously on the Mac, I don't know if it's wishful thinking, uh, but I do feel like this is one of those things where if you're gonna bring Hideo Kojima on stage and let him talk about Death Stranding coming to macOS and how it's going to be optimized. And you can talk, you can tell about the displays on this Macs are already ridiculous, right? You're seeing like high pixel density, really gorgeous screen. How good will it yeah. be if you have a game like Death Stranding 
playing at maybe even just 60 fps 60 frames per second i mean you have a one 120 hertz display in a 14 inch monitor you do. You, you literally that is do. at a 4k 4k resolution so like the apple hardware and then yeah. when you think about the gpu performance although some people argue that it's not compared comparable to a discrete gpu from the likes of nvidia and amd but the gpu performance for other tasks like um video editing rendering 3d is still yes. very very good so very competitive to I mean, me yeah and like there are triple a games on the mark that's the funny thing where well, it's just that there's so few right. of them and those few um you know come in like almost as a custom type of thing where like the dev has custom to make order extra, <laughs> yeah exactly you know where the dev has to make like some sort of extra effort to put it on bespoke, um, and bespoke then maybe, games <laughs> and then maybe some are available via steam mm-hmm. um so i think i think steam is actually a very good um inroad because steam is already available in the mac there's a lot of um mac compatible games on steam yeah there are lots of games on mac down steam but when you check They'll tell you that because Apple changed to um, from x86 Intel to Apple Silicon, the compatibility yeah. was lost. So they'll tell you it's only compatible on devices with Intel, or it's only compatible on devices from a certain operating system or older. Um, so mm-hmm. now some of these things that some of these um, under the hood optimizations they've done to bring in more games, I think you should they should. It, Apple doesn't seem to want to like even go near Steam, right? Because Steam is Steam is an alternate app store, to be honest, and Apple kind of doesn't like it. But again, it's a browser. Like, there's only so much they can do to before it starts to look like another uh, Fortnite situation. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, but I think embracing Steam is the best ways for them to do it with gaming. Um, fix all that compatibility issue. Let the compatibility layer go through Steam and let all the devs that are already on Steam have Mac versions available to their millions of users. And then all the people who want Macs or people who are buying two computers, one for work, one for games, or people who want Macs, but they're like, gaming is a huge part of my leisure or even... Um, people who stream, but they want a Mac, but they can't do it because they can't game on it. You bring all those people into the fold as well. Uh, so let's see what they do with it. Um, yeah, it's exciting times ahead. Um, I really, really, really want to see what it looks like when, you know, big studios, I want to see Square Enix on there. I want to see, heck, I want to see PlayStation Studios on there, you know? Um, no, that's not going to happen. I mean, they, they already port a lot of games to PC, right? They port a lot uh, of games to PC, so they might as well. You know? Are there any PlayStation exclusives on PC? On PC? Yeah, I think isn't it Last of Us and some other uh, titles going there? Last of Us is Last of Us is a Square, or oh, Last of Us is Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog, yeah, but it's also so uh, PlayStation, I think, Santa Monica Studios. You sure? Like okay. production, not distribution. I th- uh, I think distribution. Um, let me see. I'm just confirming here, but but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where for some reason, for a long time, I was like, wow, I've not heard. I I don't know how Sony games have been on PC. Horizon, I think the first uh one, not Forbidden West, what was the first one Zero Dawn. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, Watch Dogs, uh, God of War is on there, you know, Spider-Man is on there, and um, there's even Uncharted, right? So Sony has been, you know, putting a lot of games on PC. Returnal, um, Returnal is now on PC. That's, that's interesting, actually. It really is interesting. I know, I know. So Sony is really comfortable with putting their games on Steam and Epic Games. Well, I guess, I guess that's where you, you you have that flexibility when you're the leader of console sales. So you might as well. Might as well. You might as well. But obviously, uh, before Ragnarok uh, comes to PC, it might take a bit. If it, I don't know. I think it's still a PlayStation 5 exclusive and PS4 and 5 exclusive for now. But yeah, Sony are doing some things uh, with uh, um, cross-platform now, which I find really interesting, especially with their beef for Microsoft over the acquisition. But, yeah. Exactly. I was I was going to say that you know, I mean, on the other side of the aisle, um, their competition in consoles is Microsoft with the Xbox. So them putting their games on PC is like them saying, hey, we can come on your platform, even though we can't be on Xbox, we can be on Windows, which is also right. yours. Right. I'm telling you. But yeah, um, that's uh, that's that's good to know. Something something worth looking out for. I, I, the first time we're gonna start seeing some movement uh, in this gaming uh, space for, for Mac, I think it's towards the end of the year, when uh, I I feel the launch. I don't remember what the launch date for uh, Death Stranding is, but I feel like towards the end of the year we're gonna have a lot of devs uh, showing showcasing more things, um, more progress being made on porting their games over. Um, Watch OS, not much there. Honestly, slightly redesigned UI. Um, I'm not going to say it's something I'm looking forward to, but when it comes, I'll just take it as is and then get, you know, you know, get used to the new operating system design. Is there anything in watchOS that you liked? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm personally not even a fan of the Apple Watch or smartwatches in general. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I'm looking at the preview now and I think I, I like that the thoroughly deviated from this whole apps, you know, idea. Now those apps still exist, but they are not the they are not the front line of the experience anymore. So the idea of, you know, looking at Twitter or Instagram or booking an oh, Uber yeah. or something like like on, on your wrist when you can easily do it with your phone, you know. That was just ridiculous and it was a turn off for me. But now they've moved to things like okay, notifications, um, health, you know, uh, time, weather, and you know, things like that, compass, uh, heart rate, all those things. And then, you know, all the stylish ways we can show time, which is which is what it is, a, a watch first. Um, so then focusing on those things and doubling down on those things is actually good to see. Um, I'm glad they're not going in that whole apps, apps, apps direction. Um, but yeah, it looks it looks nice, looks neat. Um, they they did this card stacking thing. Yeah. The only like neat pick I see about it is I wish the corners were a bit rounder so it will match the corner radius of the watch itself. But that's just like my my UI designers. I which which corner um, radius are you referring to? Of the card stacks, um, yeah. so yeah, there's they, like they introduced a watch base that has notification cards mm-hmm. um, with stacks of yeah. notifications on it. Yeah. So the corner radius of those cards, um, yeah. I think it could use just a tiny bit 
more rounded. But <laughs> I mean, that's that's such a nitpicky thing. Yeah. We have, I mean, I do a bit of hiking, but I'm not an obsessive hiker, but there's things that talk about uh, waypoints and, you know, helping find your way back to like your, your, your source and destination points. It's something that I want to try out this summer, actually, to see how well, not like I, maybe I'm, I'm not going to say I'll never get lost on a hike, but I always take really good care to not get lost on a hike because it's <laughs> on a trail. So the funny thing is this use case actually came in kind of handy um, in 2023. So last year, um, during my grandmother's funeral, we went to the cemetery, but it's it's a pretty large cemetery in Ibado, and you had to walk some ways to find, you know, um, the site. So we I opened my Google Maps on my phone and was like pinpointing the um gps location you know so that i could find my way so that that use case is actually something that is like i mean i had i haven't had need to do that but it was something it's something that you know it's possible right but you never really needed to do it and then that occasion came and i was like oh well i know that my phone can do this so i might as well do it so that was one interesting thing about it some of those things that you sometimes you never really think you need it, but then the moment you're like, wait, I could actually do this, right? And it works. I like when it works. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Speaking of maps, yeah, offline maps I think is a big deal for me. Um, Apple like, has. I'm, this... I'm, I'm yawning at that offline map. Like, who has had it for, <laughs> for how a long? Minute. Yeah. The only reason. And I even use the Apple... online one is still not is still not comparable. I don't think it is, but for many locations, like uh, for people who use Apple Maps, because I dabble between both, I'm this paranoid person that like I don't want Google to have too much data, I don't want Apple to have too much data, so I just like use <laughs> either map whenever I want. Um, yeah. But the adv- the advantage Apple Maps has in this ecosystem over Google is turn by turn navigation on your wrist. Um, I don't oh, know if they just okay. they just locked some kind of API that doesn't let Google Maps do this. But hmm. with Apple Maps, when you're approaching a turn or an intersection, it kind of like gives you like little vibrations on your wrist to just let you know oh, that you're cool. coming up to like, you know, a, a turn or an exit. And it's very subtle, but very, very efficient, especially maybe if you're like talking with someone in the car, you, you forgot your exit or whatever, and your watch just like <laughs> uses off this very tiny haptic feedback. It's very impressive. And um, flyover for like major cities like Vancouver, you know, New York, Chicago. Walk you walk through the city before you even go there. It's it's pretty impressive. So offline, dope. Um, yeah, I think that's a that's enough talk about operating systems. Let's um let's talk about that guy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe whose stone was ripped out of his head by Thanos. <laughs> so nice agree. Vision Pro. Now, I'll let you I'll let you go first because we were chatting during the, the live keynote, and you expressed some interesting uh, feelings about the device to me, and I wanted you to share it on the pod right now, your pros and cons, like what you like and what you don't like about Vision Pro. So, uh, Vision Pro, um, I don't even know where to start from. There had been rumors that Apple was going to make it VR. AR, XR, whatever, headset for a while. Um, And the truth is, 
there was a part of me that was like, maybe Apple shouldn't enter this space at all and validate it. But there was a part of me that also felt it's inevitable seeing how much, especially when you see how much like the Oculus Quest is getting traction, PlayStation VR is getting some traction, and all these other OEMs are like dabbling in. And so it was like, if one of those guys become like hugely successful and mainstream, of which the Oculus Quest has already, you know, gotten some level of um, uh, mainstream acceptance, then if Apple joined much later, it would be like too little too late. So I began to accept that it was inevitable that Apple was going to enter the space. However, given that they are pretty much the last to enter the space, I expected that um, tech-wise, style-wise, what they'd have would be sleeker uh, than what they currently showed. Now, tech-wise, they packed in a lot of tech into this thing, like the cameras, the sensors, the ones facing out, the ones facing in. It's crazy tech, it's expensive stuff, it's you know, it's cutting edge stuff. There's a whole M1 processor inside that thing. Then there's a, a separate R processor inside okay. that thing. So it's like, um, at first I criticized it that, oh, this is basically like a television strapped to your face. But I then remembered that, um, I think it was Tim Cook who said, you know, like this is a computer. So it's like a whole computer um, strapped to your face. Some people have compared uh, the price to a MacBook Pro to try and justify it, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, um, even though it's not yet as versatile, uh, yeah. I guess they are waiting on third-party devs to to do the rest of the heavy lifting. Um, but to be honest, I don't like how it looks. I don't like how it looks on the face. Um, it's chunky. It has so many lines and seams and change of form, um, which is unlike Apple. Like, I don't know, people are saying, oh yeah, because it's a first gen. But even as a first gen, Apple likes to keep things pretty clean. And neat. Like, the first gen Apple Watch was pretty crappy, right? But it was crappy, in the ways that it was crappy, didn't stop it from like being the template for all the other Apple Watches that came after. Um, I think that for the Vision Pro, the following generations of this thing has to look like significantly different from what it is they've shown us right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's chunky. I mean, it doesn't look cool, not to me. Like it looks <laughs> cool in like press shots, you know, on its own, on a plain white table or mm-hmm. on this light oak table, properly arranged or properly suspended. Of course, it looks cool. Um, but once you put it on someone's face and you see how like it's sticking out, how far out it's sticking out from, you know, your eyes and then the big cradle thing wrapped around your gore. And it's just, just, and then you have the wire dangling from one side. Ah, like, come on, man. Um, So, hmm. Vision Pro, I have have quite a few thoughts. I agree with some of what you said about 
how even though for a first-gen de- device, it doesn't seem to like radicalize the design for headsets that we've been seeing prior. Like, you know, people talked about how the profile of the Google Glass from way back in the day was, was even way better. Um, but there's so much to talk about here and unpack. Like we talked about, like it's essentially a computer on your head. Um, I've heard some people refer to it as the most advanced piece of consumer tech ever um, created, uh, which- That's possibly know, true. Yeah, it's possibly true, right? And so it's, for me, just like we talked about a few days ago, it's V1 and I look at Apple's line of products. We talked earlier about the iMac, the MacBook Pro, MacBook Air. And if you know, the naming convention has always been Pro for the enthusiasts, right? MacBook Pro, uh, Mac Pro, iPad Pro, uh, Apple iPhone 15 Pro. And I feel like Apple came out guns blazing with Vision Pro. Um, it's just so they can upsell majority of people on what I think they will call the Vision One. I don't know. I don't work at Apple, but I feel like if they're gonna, uh, make, no, I, it'll be a missed opportunity if they don't call it the Vision Air because it sounds Air. like Vision Air, <laughs> right? Vision Air. So it's gonna be. It could be. It could be the Vision Air, right? That that actually be dope. So I feel like one of the things that they would do is now you see all the tech that's in the Vision Pro. You're like, my goodness, this is overkill, right? Maybe they'll take out eyesight. I know Dave 2D was talking about it in his YouTube video about how. Because um, eyesight is kind of weird, right? Because it's not essentially a see-through mirror. It's cameras showing a photo of your face or whatever, like a live video yeah, feed. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's two ways. <laughs> it's, it's like, um, you know the viewfinder on your camera app in your phone, right? Okay. Now imagine that happening on two sides. Or, in fact, it is happening on two sides with yep. devices like the Apple, with the, like the Samsung, sorry, the Samsung Flip and the Samsung Fold right yeah. when you turn on the camera and then you're seeing the viewfinder on two sides of the screen that's exactly what's happening on the vision pro where the eyesight yeah. person wearing it is seeing a video feed where, wherever they're having passed through they're seeing a video feed of what's going on around them so they're not yeah. actually seeing what's going on they're seeing a video the feed video a live video feed. right and for anyone who's around them um, who gets to see, you know, that airy image of their eyes? What that person is seeing is a video feed of their eyes on display. That is a, as an attempt to mimic, you know, some sort of transparency. Reality, yeah. And, and um, so, yeah, that that's kind of like weird and off-putting in a way. And yeah. I don't even think even it's even more off-putting for me than a 3D avatar using FaceTime um, calls. Because at least the FaceTime call is like, hey, you know, it's 3D. It's like a dummy. It's just trying to be you, right? I'm sure when the lip sync starts, you know it's fake. You can tell it's fake, right? But with the eyes, which is supposed to be the windows to the soul, <laughs> if someone is just seeing fake eyes, what are they seeing? You can literally say a bold face lie right there. Like, it's... Uh, no, no, no. Um, it, so, yeah, that's one it, thing that wears me out. And, it, it, it's obvious that the, the attempt is to make it look like it's transparent, but I think the way we we are so attuned, like naturally attuned to seeing um, other people's faces and looking into other people's eyes, that no matter how high the latency is, it's being a video feed on the surface, on a glass surface, just yeah. feels off. Um, I and, yeah. I, and I was like, you know what? This is cool. Like, tech-wise, um, but when someone puts on a pair of sunglasses, right, you don't see their eyes. 
So you could have done, you could, you can do without it. Like, and that's where the visionaire comes in, cheaper uh, but without uh, eyesight. They, so uh, <laughs> that would be the first thing to Cause, go. Because if you think about it, the eyesight, because yeah, you know, back to the the day two D video I was talking about, like that feature doesn't really do anything for the person wearing the device. It's for the people on the outside. And yeah. so it's it's a lot of research, a lot of work, a lot of money spent to put that thing that does literally nothing for the person who paid for it. So it's like, yeah, just take it out. Put it in the, the idea is like if, you know, um, you're using the device and then someone comes around, while yeah. you're getting the pass-through video of them approaching you, they too are seeing like your eyes to know that oh you're actually looking at them yeah you know yeah but like i said you know yeah we we are so attuned that you know i mean they've already advertised it to us so it's not even like um it's a trick or a you know so you know that we are approaching this person but what you're seeing is not their eyes you're seeing a video of their eyes i know i, I know, know. This is one of the top two or top three cringe moments on your presentation. The other one was like the dad in the living room, like with the kids. Oh, and then like your oh. kids are there having a good time. You're there in the kitchen with them with like a headset. And sure, you want to take a 3D photo, but how do your kids feel with you walking around the house with a headset? They should never put that. And then the airplane one, that was so weird. Like you're in a, like if I'm in a tube flying 30,000 feet, the last thing I want to do is wear a headset and not be able to see my immediate surroundings. I'm not going to envelope myself into some alternate reality space. I want uh, so that's the, that's the one where I actually disagree. Because I feel like you 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 won't disappear on the plane, right? You don't you don't want to care about what's happening in your flight. <laughs> yes, especially if you're flying the economy. Oh my you know, you know, window seats. Are you, are you one of those guys? Window. Are you one of those guys who like pray throughout the entire flight? <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> I pray before and after. <laughs> okay, just check it. Just check it. Yeah, yeah, but well, yeah, you're, you're right. You could go either way. For me, it's like a no-no because I want to be present um, as much as maybe if the vision, the idea for like AR, VR headsets for me, as much as I try to be present, is is just like one of those things that's gonna take a lot of warming up for me to actually, um, you know, warm up to it. I, and, I, I I'm I'm all screened out, right? Like yeah. Um, between laptop, tablet, and smartphone. Mm-hmm. I I spend you know so Same. much time. Same. So I'm I I mean I've got a TV <laughs> I barely use. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm all screened out. Yeah. I'm, maybe I'm maybe I'm, I'm now the old man shouting at the cloud. Uh, no. At, no. I'm, I'm just, at that part of my life. <laughs> it's a rational person. I think it's a rational human being. Um, I want to say this though. Like last last summer, I had the chance to try out Microsoft's um Hololens at NAB Ooh. in in Vegas. I think it's Hololens too, actually. It was pretty yeah. cool. You know, you wear it on your head. You see, you see a 3D uh interface or like a building, like a structure come out in, uh, in front of you, and you can actually play around and and you know navigate with the 3D uh, avatar. Nobody talks about that much because I think Microsoft itself is not really pushing HoloLens to be that much of a consumer product. And I'm going to share this in our group. I, I just realized no one ever talks about the price, the cost of a HoloLens. So I shared it in one of our groups, um, the collective, you should check it out. And the HoloLens, the cheapest one, can you guess how much it costs? I'm guessing it's probably like in the thousands, probably maybe as expensive as uh the vision uh, pro no maybe maybe like 1500 
No, the cheapest HoloLens you can get is $3,500. Aha, so that's where, that's where Apple got it from. That's exactly what I think happened. There's a next tier for the HoloLens is $4,950, and there's another tier that's $5,200. So, wow. I'm looking at this HoloLens, which Microsoft barely so that's, hypes. That's probably what Apple is actually going for. They are going for the HoloLens, not for Quest. Not for Quest. At least, at least for, for the pro. price points and, you know, the user type. So the users are like, okay, people who want to be able to um, look at work stuff. I'm, I'm imagining people in, like, engineering who want to look at 3D stuff in 3D space. However, they didn't even show much of that. They showed people looking at photos and people looking at <laughs> videos and people browsing the 2D web. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> like, ah. Have you seen show... that meme of like Vision Pro headset, but instead of photos of like your family and friends, it's like pop-ups, like you have to accept these cookies now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I mean, come on. No, I, 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 I'm very sure that's what Apple's original template idea of what this thing could do is and they'll leave it to the devs to create like a whole universe you saw what happened with disney plus's presentation um so i i think it's just like there's going to be way more industrial stuff coming in because they had their mostly their apps like the mail app the photo apps are like apple apps right what i would have loved to see the, the only time it showed like a pro app was i think final cut where the guy transformed it from his mac onto the hololens which i think is going to be one of those things people would do what it like but, carry but that's apps. still like that's still a 2d experience now there, there, there's nothing wrong in having 2d experiences on like like you said you know it's a computer basically so it's i expect that this is supposed to be some sort of computer replacement as it were there's nothing wrong with having a 2D experience on a computer um, replacement device, especially because that's already the type of interface that everyone else is, that everyone is used to. But if you're going to show this as a new way of computing, as computing in the third dimension, or even give it a new name, spatial computing, mm -hmm. um, you have to go beyond showing us mail, photos, videos, <laughs> like, you have to show me one one classic example was someone wearing it and looking around their room and placing virtual furniture and basically doing like interior design. That would have been great. That would have been a great example, right? Or that's, someone, that's easy peasy. I'm sure that's gonna come out soon. Because ordinary with your like phone, you could do you could bring Apple products through AR into your your uh your yeah, real space yeah. and test so it out. Stuff like so. that. I mean, they've been doing that with the phones for how many years now? So right, stuff like that would have been, yeah. you know, or someone doing it, well, despite the weight of the thing, you know, but maybe someone on a treadmill and they're wearing it and instead of them, it's, it's projecting them like on a trail. outside, exactly on a trail and then giving them HUD stats, you know, that that's, those are like more interesting, more compelling things than oh, yeah. me seeing, you know, like a, to the web page or I mean I do like how those those glass uh UIs kind of like cast shadows in your actual space though. Yeah, that that's cool. That's cool, but it still feels very two dimensional. Like it's something I can do in Figma for instance. 
Don't worry, I'm sure he's gonna get he's gonna go insane when when the devs lay their hands on it. Because I feel like people who do, um, uh, what's this Night Sky app called where you could uh basically look at constellations, right? They might might just put one in your living room and you can move move the stars around, or maybe move the globe around or something like. I'm sure it's gonna get yeah, crazy. Yeah, like hey, or even 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 like ah uh, well, education market. See, the thing is, mm, you can't do that with education, but. It's possible that, say, like a, a a parent might give it to a kid, even mm-hmm. though it's a very expensive thing to give to a child. But basically, like maybe you're, yeah. uh, maybe you're teaching the child like anatomy, right? And yeah. so you can show, okay, you know, tell your brother to stand, and then give the child, and then child is looking at their brother, and then the thing is projecting like. The muscular system also, or the skeletal, skeletal system, yeah. and, you know that kind of thing. And you can say, "Oh, this is the femur, this is that." You know, right. trust, like, trust that those you know, things are coming. Trust that because well, this thing is way too powerful to just be dumb, right? Uh, I mean, exactly. sure, we said the same. We said the same thing about the the iPad. We just started getting pro apps in twenty twenty three, but <laughs> you know, but well, the, the iPad has been getting. So the thing is, what happens? And pro apps from Apple, basically, yeah. But uh-huh, what happens is that um, they come out with products, they release very simple apps, and then third-party devs come and develop like more interesting stuff. And then Apple de- comes back and says, okay, we've seen what you guys can do, now let's put out, like, I mean, DaVinci Resolve for the iPad came out before Final Cut Pro. I mean, but the right. the closeness between the release doesn't speak to like whether Apple rushed it, because you could tell like the, uh, Final Cut is fully fledged, so they were probably working concurrently, and DaVinci went to market first, right? Because ima- yeah, imagine, yeah, sure. imagine them coming out with Final Cut in two weeks, right? That's, that's just not feasible. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, of course not. But, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, DaVinci Resolve, super powerful app, and for some reason, no, maybe not for some reason, if you got like an iPad Pro with like an A12, and two years later it's becoming obsolete, it's quite painful, which is like my <laughs> my situation right now. I have an iPad Pro that when it launched, it was like the best thing since sliced bread. But now I can't even <laughs> install Final Cut because it requires an M-series chip. And I can't use uh, some advanced features in DaVinci because I require an M-series chip. So it's like, there's no way I'm going to upgrade this brand new quote-unquote iPad overnight just because I want to run Final Cut, right? So I'll just yeah. stick to my basic features and resolve and edit my videos on my computer for now <laughs> but yeah i just wanted to, I just wanted to share that little uh, little rant um uh, about that but yeah hololens 3500 to pop if you want to get the basic version even a dev kit is 3500 um uh so it's uh, it's interesting i just found that out today but it was a good it was a good experience with the hololens i i feel like a lot of people who tried vision pro said it's the best headset they've ever tried but it's still just a headset so until until we see uh something different from apple maybe maybe uh a redesign this is v1 like we always talk about let's see what v3 looks like let's see what v4 v5 looks like and another thing i will talk about is haptics because we talk we you know interact with our phones or watches or whatever every ever so often we interact with something in the ar space with vision pro for example like people talked about the butterfly uh demo where it would land on your finger but then you feel absolutely nothing. It made me wonder how one would incorporate those kind of uh, uh, senses into this operating system without 
having some extra physical hardware attached. That would be a very interesting challenge for Apple to solve. So, um, when all the rumors, like as WWDC approached and all these rumors for the headset were, you know, galvanizing, um, I was looking into like all the existing um, AR, VR headsets. And I think there was one I shared with you, HTC Vive Focus. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's actually like a light version of the main HTC Vive. I think the premium version is Elite, which is a bit chunkier. But this light version um, looks like as close to a normal pair of sunglasses as a VR headset can get. and they did something interesting where you can pair it with your phone and use your phone as a controller. Now, if you're doing that, then you can maybe get some sort of haptic feedback from the phone um, so that, you know, Apple doesn't need to, like, create any third device, yeah. uh, you know, as a controller, like all the other VR headsets do. Yeah, really interesting to see. But yeah, so um, our verdict on this headset is that hey, Leo, you know, hey, it's it's still, it's still a headset, even though it's probably the most advanced one ever. But um, not everyone is crazy about it. Let's see where it goes from here. Say, I mean, fair to Apple, like the iPad was just done when it came out. The AirPods were called stupid when it came out. The Apple Watch was crapped on when it came out. Um, this is I think the first device category. In years that has had like makes way more mixed reception than it had has like naysayers i think so that's kind of like a weird spot to be because there are way, way more um people who were pessimistic about all the other categories i mentioned prior than well, I, headset, I, I would think honestly i doubt that like i i don't like there were naysayers for every there, there will be naysayers for every new deal um yeah. Talking about like major major news outlets that made it sound like remember the iPad was like crapped on by yeah so the iPad the iPad was crapped on because people said oh like the main criticism of the iPad was it's basically just a big iPhone right yeah you don't need Um, that much screen it's useless (laughs) it wasn't even that you don't need that much screen it was that you have all that much screen and all you're showing me is the same interface that I'm already used to seeing on the iPhone. And so, to be honest, I think that was a legitimate criticism. And Apple took that criticism and, you know, um, made better use of the iPad display, which was which I think they would have done eventually, even if people didn't respond in that manner. It was like everything then, uh, was V1. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and then third-party devs again, you know, took it home. Um, the watch, the thing that people complained about was performance. Like, oh, you giving us, you know, a phone or you know, a wrist, and yeah, advertising people doing all these like all the apps that they have on their smartphone, but like it's super slow. Which my own argument was that they shouldn't have pumped it with all those apps to have pared it down which is the advice, they've taken that advice and they've done that now. So they've de-emphasized in all the app actions. So, and I um, think that's what's happening with, with like, it was, it's, the watch launch was, I think it was more scattergun than anything. Like they hadn't figured out what people were going to be using it for. Um, I think now, if you notice, they've narrowed more on like fitness and health and then everything else is just like add-ons. 
but but when he first launched it was like an everything device which people were like man what the heck man i'm not gonna start doing i'm not gonna text you on my wrist you know i'm not gonna you know add a calendar invite on my wrist you know but they went back and they're like oh so people okay let's focus more on fitness and health you know sleep tracking all this kind of stuff and and is that the future of vision pro where it like becomes a two three feature device i don't see that happening with all those sensors <laughs> um but uh it, it will be it will be nice to see um, what, what would happen is um or what i what i believe likely happen is people will gravitate around some maybe two or three primary use cases and everything else will be auxiliary um for the oculus for instance gaming is like the big thing even though Zuck is trying to position it as oh social work you know this thing but gaming is like everybody puts it on everybody goes straight to play beat saber or whatever so um with snapchat we've even forgotten snapchat spectacles there there's like putting all these like funky filters in your environment and all that so uh the people will gav will just like cluster together around a few use cases and then when apple sees that oh these are the things people would rather use things for apple would double down on those things that's, that's why i think it's likely to happen that's what they did with the ipad it's what they did with the, the watch you know stuff oh man this has been a packed conversation i feel like if left to our own devices or vices whichever, whichever camp you're on we would we'll talk about <laughs> about uh you know wwdc forever but this has been a fun a fun one i'm sure we, we, we skipped a lot of things we, we can't obviously talk about everything there's just so much especially not just during the keynote but after right like some of the things you mentioned with dynamic island uh, but this has been a good episode uh this is one of those things you listen to, you know, um, when you're doing your chores. Um, so hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And thank you for listening. Thank you. All right. Until next time, this is Backyard Conversations. Over and out.